<laughs> well, I can't take to part the Euro. If Italy win the Euros and Immobile's top goal scorer, I'll sing the entire song for you in Italian. Hey! <laughs> Myself and Immobile on top. For the best Euro 2020 coverage, download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the OTB Football Podcast. The OTB Podcast Network with Get Set Go. Black Box Car Insurance lets young drivers bounce past high-cost premiums. Drive safe and save more with GetSetGo.ie. You're very welcome along to episode six of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. Paddy Andrews, Andy Moran is looking well this week. He's got a haircut. Oh, I think he's gone. That's a championship haircut. I think it looks like an under twenty-one at this stage. What a man! Look at him. I went in. I went into Shawnee McDermott. You know, Shawnee extra scammer. Oh yeah, from the oh, road. So yeah. he's a he's a barber's in our town, you know. And I uh, went into him with the young fella. The young fella's three. So he cried the whole way through. I said, Shawnee, as quick as you can, cut this hair. So it didn't do too bad. I didn't think I'm happy enough. No, it looks good. Did you pay for it? Or is this a gig? Is this an Andy? Oh, no. This is, new, this is, is he this plugging is, again? Is he? Is he it, plugging? No, 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 I think no, he's no. trying to flag some. Poor old Shawnee McDonald's hey, after this, this, this is my old comment, Paddy. I get, pay, I get charged double for this one. Yeah, 40 <laughs> quid for the haircut. <laughs> High back and sides. Yeah, yeah. He just hit his branded coffee there as well, just as he was going to do. Oh, jeez. Yeah, never miss it. Never miss an up. You'd learn a lot listening to you boys. How are you keeping? Weekend went well. Any football this weekend? Paddy, you weren't playing this weekend, were you? No, I was relaxed and refreshed this week. I got a change of scenery, which was great. Uh, it was down in Cork. I was just thinking, uh, there's me slating Cork footballers on the pod last week. And then Four hours later, it was down there. So we got a, it was a warm enough reception there. We were over in Foda Island and over in Kinsale. So it was lovely just a, a bit of change of scenery. I managed to squeeze in a couple of the, the games on Saturday evening as well. So now a very, very nice weekend. And you can see I'm probably a little bit sunburnt as well. So Mine was quite, we, um, where I know we're going to talk about social life uh, later on mm. in, in the pod. But <laughs> we, uh, we, trained, we did a bit of training Friday, but then, then we changed it from Sunday to Saturday. And then the boys went out for you drink on Saturday night. So. Oh, what a coach. I, I wish uh, you were my manager, Andy. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they enjoyed it. Well, uh, like, hey, the, the, the problem is, Paddy, the spill into the Sunday is the problem for me. I'm just, <laughs> that, you know? yeah, just they're still on it by Monday afternoon. Yeah. Like. Just on that, training on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock is a disaster. Yeah, Why not train and put league uh, games yeah. on a Saturday night? I know up the north in certain counties, they actually have their league games on a Friday night or on a Saturday evening. To allow people to, to enjoy themselves a wee bit. I think a lot of GA coaches, Tommy, are learning from us. They're um, learning from rugby, really, you know, so that they can get that social element into it as well and just kind of have it that boys can go out on a Saturday night, um, Joe, enjoy their Sundays and go back to work on a Monday. I think that, that that's coming into it. The, the problem we have with Mayo putting games on Saturday is that we probably don't have enough referees. So a lot of referees have to do the Saturday and the Sunday matches. So they're, they're, there's going to be an overlap. But they do try it a lot in, in Mayo. They try to have a lot of the games on the... Uh, they tried to have a lot of games on the Saturday evenings, but they, they can't do it. The killer for us was the bank holiday Mondays when, when they used to put a game, the game on the, the train and on the bank, ho- bank holiday yeah. Mondays. So used to break, used to break the weekend for boys. And I think, yeah, for particularly for younger fellas who, who, especially now after after COVID and being able to go out now again, I think that's that'd be a killer. And I think coaches have kind of learned that throughout the, throughout the last couple of years. You know, I definitely know it's definitely it's definitely gotten better. Like I haven't heard the phrase drink ban in about. <laughs> I'd say six or seven years but when I was going to college everyone was talking about drink bans all the time did you have drink bans in, during during the season or it, was that a myth? Well um, sorry Paddy go on yeah No to be honest we we didn't with Dublin but, but I know we got a question in didn't we of, or, or someone emailed us in Tommy Yeah actually 
to be, yeah, to be honest, balance. what was the question? Carl Daly got in touch and he said, can you ask yeah. Patty and Andy how they balance their social life with inter-county demands? Like I can imagine for both of you, it changed halfway through your career. I'm kind of laughing because yeah, it was for me. I had an absolute, I had a brilliant social life around 2009, 2010, 2011. <laughs> I was living the life. I was like Mick Jagger going around, but I was shite. I wasn't playing any minutes, and um, we weren't winning anything with Dublin either. So my social life was actually so good that Pat Gilroy fucked me off the team for it in uh, 2011. So I learned pretty quickly at that point that I think if you're serious about being an inter-county footballer. And I'd say this to any young players coming through, and, and this is not just if you're playing with Dublin or Mayo or, or one of the, the bigger teams. If you're serious about being as good a player as you can be and being as and your team is trying to be as successful as they can be, there's not really a social life. And you've got to, I think you've got to understand that, that the way I looked at it myself when I came back onto the D- Dublin panel was that for nine months of the year, you know, from your first week in January when you're back training, to hopefully you're getting to the to the end of September, that you're essentially a monk. You know what I mean. And if you're thinking of going weekends away, your stag dues, your weddings, your summer holidays, your golf days, going for pints with the lads, you just you can't do it. Some things don't mix, Tommy. And being having a really great social life and a serious intercounty footballer, they don't mix. And and even just on the time, if you give an example of a, of a schedule, like. You'd be in the gym on Monday night, you're on the pitch on Tuesday, you're on the pitch on Thursday, you're training all day Saturday, and you'll have meetings and kind of recovery and stuff on Sunday. So even on that schedule alone, the only mm. evenings you have free are, are a Wednesday and a Friday. But sure, I was a forward trying to be, trying to get my game and trying to be a better player. So my Wednesday night, I was doing extra training. I was going kicking and we'd kick ball for an hour and get a bit of physio. Then Friday night is your only night. And then you're thinking, well, we're going to have a big training session tomorrow. We need to be ready for that. And you'll have meetings and stuff. So you're doing your analysis work for an hour or two. So, so that's your week gone. There, there, there literally isn't time to go and meet the boys for points and stuff like that. And, and that was your week essentially for nine months of the year. And, and the way I'd see it is if you see, and I, I would have said this when I retired, if you see that as a chore or a, or a, you know, a bit of a ball breaker here going, geez, I wish I could go on the piss with the lads. That's your week. And and if you're not happy to do that, and if you see that as a big sacrifice, well, then ultimately you just won't do it. Mm. You'll, you'll cut corners. You might go for points when you shouldn't. You might go on a holiday when you shouldn't go on it and you miss a training session or things like that. And you're just, you're ultimately, you're not going to get the best out of yourself. You'll end up pissing off your teammates because they're looking at you going, well, he's not putting the show at the wheel. And you'll know your coaches. So that that's, for young players, I would say, going into inter-county teams, if you're going to do it, be have your eyes wide open to, that's the commitment and that's the time frame. And I never seen that as a chore or a sacrifice because but, I was getting an amazing opportunity to represent Dublin and play in front of 80,000 people in Crow Park and, and try and compete and win all Ireland's. Kind of, yeah. when, you, when you're talking there and the, one of the words in the question was balance and it, it doesn't necessarily sound like there's a, there's a much of a balance there, but what I can see is Paddy that from where you are and where you're going to be from January to September, there's pretty much guaranteed a payoff there. When you, I, I can imagine mm. you're saying 29, 2009, 2010, 2000, maybe 2008, 2009, 2010. You didn't <laughs> I was necessarily. Trying to, I was trying to find that balance. You were, well, was you were probably on one, end, one end of the Richter scale, but then it goes completely to the far side. Like, mm. do you know, like it was it 2009 that Gooch and Tomas got dropped uh, from Kerry for. We're going for a point. We're going for a point in the middle of the qualifiers. And obviously their season turned around at the end of it. That, that, like, it doesn't really sound like that could happen. 
in the like Andy when you guys were you know chasing all Ireland in the last five years of the the twenty tens. Was I think there a balance there, or was there a balance at all? I think the the whole social life thing evolves as you get older too. Like so, myself and Paddy were lucky enough to be young players on a squad. Then we went to college. Joe, that sign element was in it. Then you become into your mid twenties. For me, I got married, I had kids, business, work, stuff like that. So it kind of, it right here evolves right through. So when I got to 25, 26, was it a thing that I was really searching for to be going out and messing and stuff like that? It wasn't. Now, younger and having the crack, I used to mm. remember playing Donegal in the league and we used to meet then on the Sunday evening. You know, we used to meet then on the Sunday evening in Sligo and have the, have the crack then down in Sligo for the Sunday when we didn't have too many commitments on the Monday. But when it moves forward and you get married and you have kids and you start working seriously and all that, it, you're, you're, the demands for that social life moves as well. So it, mm. there, there is a bit of that. But mm. is there still people who, who, who've probably breaking the rules within, within a team setup? Of course there's. The, uh, counties now have got better at keeping stuff quiet in terms of punishing guys. Uh, it, but are they then serious about going making the, the next step? Possibly not. And I think you make a very fair point where for us, luckily, in the from 2010 to 2020 or 2011 to 2020, we we're always getting to quarterfinals, semifinals. Paddy's, mm. Paddy was getting to finals and there is a payoff there. Mm. But to have any chance of getting there, you need to make sacrifices Mm-hmm. Uh, do the things you need to do do that tiny bit extra like Paddy is saying there going kicking for him to compete with Bernard Brogan and these guys mm-hmm. and Paul Manuel of this world Paddy probably needed to do more than them guys anyway for a start mm-hmm. so he needs to go and do that thing so there is a balance but I, I, th- I think what uh, to make to, to cut a long answer I think the, the key thing is is to get the best out of yourself and to get the best out of yourself you need to be preparing at least equally if not more than the opposition mm-hmm. and yeah. to do that the, the, ball, the stags, the, yes, the night out with the team is fine, but the stags, the the weekends away and all that for nine, ten months of the year are probably yeah. probably yeah. a thing in the past. You probably get but used to letting people down, or would, would that be a thing? Would there be an answer? I, 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 I would say, and touching on Andy's thing, like if you're going to do it, and this is not just if you if you're playing with Dublin, like I said, this is any player going doing it. Like it is hard work to, to play under county football at any level. You know why are you doing it? You're going to kind of test yourself and try and help your county to try and be successful. Like you've got to pay the price. It's not easy to do it. Mm. And, and, and if you're going in with the mindset of, well, I'll do this, but I'd like to have the crack with all my mates as well. You just, you're going to fall short. There, there's no two ways about it. And and you're right. Like for nine months to year, like my mates wouldn't text me. I just wouldn't. Because like, he's not around. He's not going to be around. Like wedding invites, I've missed family weddings and stuff because of, of games and championship games. I'm sure lots of inter-county players are the same. It's like, that's you have to pay the price like success or, or trying to be the best player you can be whether that's winning all Ireland for, for myself or Andy trying to compete to do that or it's like we're talking about teams like like Offaly or, or Antrim who've had amazing success this year they're reaching their potential they're playing to their, their maximum you know it's not easy to do that you have to be willing to pay the price and if you're trying to find a balance and, and cut corners ultimately you're not going to enjoy it yourself because you know you're probably cheating yourself a bit and you're going to piss off teammates and stuff because they're going to see it as well. And, and, and the way I would have looked at it personally on my side, nine months, you're a monk. Put the head down and do anything you possibly can to, to be successful. And if that goes well and you do that really well, well, then you have October, November, <laughs> December, and you enjoy it. And you, Lord Prince of, of Copperface Jackson, you're in with, with Hugh Hurricane and the Boar's Head and this having the crack. That's that's the way I've seen it, that 
that's the payoff. Work as hard as you can, and if it goes well, well then you can enjoy. You can have as much social life as you want when the job is done. Um, and that that's a, it's a hard. I, I agree, it is a hard thing for younger players coming through today because there's so much going on, and we obviously seen Paul Mannion yesterday discussing it himself. Well, like I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Carl's you know question I mean? was sparked from reading some of the quotes from Paul Mannion. Um, and like they were they're different, but they echoed some of what Jack McCaffrey was saying as well. That the demands exactly. And we, I, we've heard yeah. you over the last couple of weeks. The two of you talking about it, the demands, the analysis, the amount of hours that go in before you even hit the pitch just to be there, to be able to compete, just to make your own teams, just to be able to get beyond the depth in your own squads and panels. Yeah, I think, I think Tommy, we exaggerated too. I, I, I'm lucky enough here to see uh, people here in the gym who are in great physical condition. Yeah. Right? Okay, so mm. the sacrifices they put in, and they don't get the rewards that, that the privilege me and Paddy had of playing for our counties, playing in front yeah. of 80, 2,000 people, playing in McHale Park. They don't get that privilege. They're doing it to live healthy lives to do a bit better for themselves. Yeah. And they're they're doing the the no drinking, the the sacrifice and the calorie deficit, all this sort of stuff to get themselves into better shape only. We we had the privilege of we're on here spoofing with you every every Wednesday, aren't we? Uh, from what we did uh, on the football field, we got to play in front of eighty four thousand people. It was massive. So yes, there's sacrifice, but more so I think there's privilege of playing for the county and getting the chance to play with the best players there as well. Yeah. I'll be Nail honest. Nail on the head. Nail I thought on the this head. Be, Randy. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a bit of crack when we mentioned points at the first <laughs> hey, 10 minutes of the podcast. I let's, go, let's go to the club scene. Let's okay, go. Yeah, well, but, yeah, but, 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 but I, I swear to God, Andy, on that, I would have had conversations with my mates and, and I would feel like I'm missing out on whatever weekends away and all mm. the sessions used to go on. I'd say 90% of them, and they said it, would happily swap places with me. To, to get the opportunity to go, you're playing in front of, like as Andy said, we're amateur sport and we're playing in front of 80,000 people and with some of, some of our best mates, for, for like I have some of your best mates on that, that double team and that experience, so many people would swap with you. And that's what I say, if you ever seen it as a sacrifice or a chore or a ball breaker to go training and make, well then you're, you're probably in the wrong game as it is. You know what I mean? So I, I, This is the last one on this, but I just wonder if county players or, you know, players listening from maybe 24 other counties around the country. I, I just wonder if the standard is that high now that it's so difficult for the teams that aren't able to get to September, that aren't able to get a run in the championship to put in that commitment. Is that one of the reasons why the gap between the top four or five counties just seems bigger than it's ever been before with the rest of the counties? I think it's it's education and knowledge when you're a younger person. Like uh, I know we're going to come back to it at, at, in the future about the Dublin thing and the, the big conversations that's been on in the past about mm. the, the advantages they have. But one of the real advantages they have is the education they've put in place for the players at 15, 16, 17, around drink, around strength and conditioning, around looking after your body, where other counties probably can't financially uh, make that a viable option, you know, and probably not managing it well enough as well. So there's there's a balance in it. But yes, is that a reason for the gap? 100%. But our counties now beginning to put in that sacrifice. Like Loud aren't taking in Mickey Hart for the good of their health. You know, mm. they're they're yeah. doing that to educate the next to educate the next crew. Johnny Gall have Rochford up there, obviously to help out with that. You see Monaghan with Buckley. So they're all trying to close that gap. Um Cork with Keen O'Neill, Kieran Shannon, these guys, again, all try to to close that gap, to educate people and to and to close that gap. But but, but I guarantee you end of beginning has Antrim working every bit as hard as what Desi Farrell will have Dublin doing. And Mickey yeah. Hart's gone to Loud. Mickey Hart's not going to Loud. John Mahan 
I've heard of some of John Mahon's training sessions he does, does with teams. He's probably still doing it with Offaly. These are teams that are making those sacrifices. And you can see it on the pitch. Like, there's always been a gap in the GAA. Like, like it, I, I get it. And in all sports, yeah. And also, like, there's always been four or five teams who are the main contenders and there's been smaller or weaker counties, whatever you want to call them, that, that are trying to bridge that gap. That's since the GAA started. But what you're seeing now is teams like Offaly, Derry with Rory Gallagher, yep. Antrim, Loud. These are teams that are making serious progress. Are they going to win the all Ireland? No, they're, they're probably not. But does, does that mean that they should just turn on and go, well, I'm not arsed training and I'm, or I'm going to go on the piss when I want to come. That's not, those players and the coaches have made a decision going, mm. we're going to put a shoulder at the wheel and we're going to get the best out of ourselves. And it, I, I will it be good enough the, the, to, to beat Dublin or not? Probably not. But but you can see, you can see the rewards of, of the work they're doing like Longford last weekend, you could see these teams are maximising their depression. They're not going around going, oh, well, I'm not arsed because we're not going to be Dublin. Yeah, but Rory Gallagher, I think, is the key one, uh, Paddy. The shape of them Derry boys compared to the where they were 18 months ago. Yeah. Absolutely. They're, they're literally like a different looking team, I think. Armagh under McGinney, it's yeah. pro- possibly taken them, that was a huge result last week, it's possibly taken them now is it four years, five years to get to the level yeah, five, yeah. Of, the, of the game he wants to play? It's going to take Derry the same. It's probably going to take them three or four years to really get to the level they need to get to. So there are teams making the sacrifice, Tommy, but are they willing to stick in it for that period of time between three to five years? We'll have to just wait and see. So the football last weekend, <laughs> we'll move on. I'll, I'll let you save your drinking stories and put it in your back pocket. You can, you can let us know them again in another podcast. The football last weekend, I want to start with Galway. They let us all down. They had the game twice, three times. They had it in their, <laughs> they had it in their hand. Even in injury time, they had it. They won the ball back at the end of extra time. They had the ball and they gave it back. And Jack McCarran scored that gorgeous winner. I don't know if it's an easier points of the week at the end, but we'll come back to it. But how did they blow it, Andy? Okay, so I think we could put an awful lot of stock in the win-loss column. Um, if we're... Analyzing Galway, I know Paddy's going to come in here and he's going to nail me, but I, I've, I, 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 I'm going to put my kind of I haven't said anything yet. I, I'm going to put my kind of hat on here for a few minutes, right? So if we take away <sighs> the end of that game and you look at Galway v Kerry, round one to Galway v Monaghan in round four, we call it, you're seeing a completely different team. You're seeing a team who have improved. Absolutely beyond the reams of, of possibility when we left Tralee that evening. They've done absolutely brilliantly. They've found a few extra players. They've found Jacqueline in the corner. They've found Matthew Tierney. They've found the, the, the two Kellys, Paul and Sean Kelly. Like you have to remember, Tierney played under 20 last year for Galway. Um, won the intermediate for Luke Gerard. Is it Luke Gerard? I think it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, young Kelly that scored the goal when Tierney put it across to him. Under 20 last year coming in. Sean Kelly, mm-hmm. 22. They've found players and they've moved it on really, really well. Now, what happened at the end of the game was absolute insanity, uh, both in full-time and... I'd nearly be harder on them in full-time than I would be in... in Extra time. Yeah, like, they have have the ball on the right-hand side. You literally take a foul, you let them kick it over the bar. You cannot let that ball be squared to Darren Hughes. Yeah. I love Darren Hughes' goal, his reaction to it. He's a sour man. Yeah, a complete man. But I did love it, I have to say. But... In terms of Galway, they will be exceptionally disappointed to be playing Division 2 next year. Now, if they can put that into context and say, look how far we've come over the last three games, I think Galway will be fine. 
I think they'll be sound. I think if they had to play Monaghan in the championship, they'd be more than happy down the road. But it's very disappointing for them uh, at the end and they should have closed out the game twice. Paddy, is Shane Walsh the most infuriating player in the country? <laughs> Jesus. Loaded question there. Um, no, Andy, actually, funny, I agree. Whatever they said there, I wasn't going to come in. <laughs> like, Galway were a better team. They should have won the game. And, and you're right. Those last five minutes go differently. Like, Galway were five points up with five minutes to go. They were far the better team. And all of a sudden, they win that game. They stay in Division 1. And they've gone from an absolute bloodbath in the first weekend against Kerry and people scratching their heads to beat Roscommon really solid against Dublin. They found a bit more solidity. They're definitely a bit more leaning towards the old Kevin Walsh style in terms of their offensive. So they're hard to play against. And they would have beaten Monaghan and Clonus. They stay in Division 1 and they've momentum on into the championship. But with five minutes to go, they've an absolute howler. And I, I, the one thing I don't agree with, I thought it was a shambles at the end of the normal time and it was a shambles at the end of extra time. Like, and, and you're talking about Shane Walsh. Shane Walsh is an outlandishly talented player, like a phenomenal athlete, watching him on full flight, technically incredible. But I'd say, like, in terms of technical ability, I put him there with David Clifford and these guys, like 40, like Dermot Connolly, some of the, like, he's just a natural, natural, a brilliant player. But what's letting him down, and what's probably letting Galway down, is the, the consistency in the play and just decision making. Like, and I get it. It's, it's a tricky one for Shane Walsh because Comer's not there and he's captain this year. So he, does he feel the need to, I need to be a bit right or overs here. He has the ability to pull it off at times, but he's forcing things. You can see it in his play. And if you look at like a classic example, a couple of minutes ago, he sold his ball 60 yards up the pitch. Galway, I think, are four points up at this stage. And Peter Cook is running clean showing goal. Like, he, it's, it's a five-yard hand pass in Shane Walsh's island, and Peter Cook can actually walk the ball into the net then. Galway goes seven or eight points up, game's done, Division One. He doesn't pass it, so okay, fair enough, if you don't pass it, he takes. you need to at least score it yourself. He kicks it wide. Joyce actually takes him off straight after that. Galway miss another chance, and you're thinking, oh, they're really, they're putting themselves under pressure here, this could come back to bite them, but they're still three or four points up, they, they should still be all right. Then Paul Conroy, their next most experienced player, their midfield general, he'll control the ball, he'll win kickouts. He gets in a row, like under 10 stuff on the sideline with, with Aaron Hughes and gets a black card. And now you're thinking, Jesus, go here, they could they could throw this away. Yeah. And sure enough, a minute later, Darren Hughes scores it. And they're into they're into it's, it's level now. They've thrown away that lead and they're under pressure from a game they should have walked home with. And that is just around decision making, smart play controlling the game and that's why like, when you see someone like Shane Watts like that never mind you come into extra time and he's well like he drops drops, 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 balls, drop, drop, drops the ball short and, and, okay in a game that tight it's that can happen and you go okay he gets the next play and does run 60 yards with a brilliant gun like learn understand where you are in the game understand mm. the environment the game intelligence I've dropped the last one short either I shift the ball to someone who's in a better position to score or if I'm taking this shot, I'm nailing it. It's at least going do the exact same thing again. Gives it back to Man and, and sure enough, it goes up. And, and I knew at, at that it was like, God, we're going to lose this game. They, they've had the chances. They haven't controlled the game. They're bad decision-making. And, and, and to be fair, like Joyce, you know, Joyce was one of the best in the business at that. You know, he's one of the generational forwards. He, he's not, he understands that. And he's looking at, you're pulling your hair out. This is just controlling the game. And in games that tight, 
like the Connacht final last year against Mayo, a relegation game there against Mana, you cannot get away with it. It will come back to bite you. And it's just, it's the only thing Galway are consistent in is it they're consistent in their bad decisions. I feel, and I feel like no, that, thing, that feeds their inconsistency. I, I feel they should like have won that game by 10 points. It's the exact same conversation that we would have had All last time. December after the Connacht final. I, I was looking back at it. Shane Walsh gives the ball away six times in the first half of that game. Go away playing against the Breeze. He kicks it away six times. He's the captain but, then but, as well. But, and I know we're picking out one player but I, here. I but, uh, what I'd say in that, right? I, I, in a way, I understand what Shane Walsh is trying in an admirable point that he's the captain. He's their best player, particularly without Comer there. So he feels a responsibility and he's showing, in a way, leadership that I'm going to take this by the scruff for the neck. And like when, he sees, when he's in full flight, he mm. is incredible to watch. But there's also responsibility with being the best player. And, and we'll talk, touch on it when we, when we talk about Dublin. Being the fastest player, being the strongest man, player, being the most technically gifted player, that's all great. But what sets the really great players is the decision-making. Is that if you're the best player, there's a responsibility on you from your teammates, from your coaches, from your supporters, that you're going to do the right thing on the ball. And like I say, you compare that to Clifford, and Clifford has got into his game now. Three, three players surround David Clifford. And, and he could turn around and say, nine times out of ten, he could throw a couple of dummies and get by those three guys and kick it over the bar, and you're thinking, hell, in God's name. But he's not. He's now just flicking a hand pass because he knows the defenders are all coming to him. He flicks a hand pass out to Sean O'Shea or, or, or his brother or, or Paul Gainey, and they're in 15 yards of space. That's every bit as valuable to the team, and that's every bit as genius, that decision-making. That is the key thing. There's no point in being the fastest guy and the fittest guy if your teammates can't rely on you to make the right decision because it's going to cost you in the tight games. And Sunday for, for, for Porrick and for Galway and for, and for Shane Walsh, that's ultimately that's why they lost the game. Down the stretch, it was just schoolboy stuff. And yeah, and I that's like I say, that that's that's tweaked their whole national league campaign. That that couple of minutes of just bad decision making, bad execution. And, and that's that's what's cost them. Yeah, you've got Shane, if you've got you've got Paul, and Paul Conroy is huge to them. I know we mentioned him earlier in the pod. Yeah, brilliant players like they are. But he really came good against Roscommon, played well against Dublin was really, really strong the last time. Self and Cook in the middle of the field were really, really strong. And I'm the same but, as Paddy. He, 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 he was controlling the game. Oh, yeah. when if it, he's on the pitch, yeah. he was keeping the ball. He was a kick-out option. And Galway were absolutely cruising. Cruising. And, and, and said, if, if he stays on the pitch, he controls and sees the game out. And I've said it to you, they've, they've been waiting for this Paul Conroy for a long time. Mm. And he, he really came last year. He's coming again this year. He looks really strong. But when he goes off, I'd agree with Paddy. But then there's two other decisions, Dad. And the two decisions is, look at the two guys that kicked the equaliser and kicked the, kicked the winner. Now, I am telling you now, you're playing against, a better, <laughs> you're playing against the best teams. And they, they know the shooters. They're not jumping in to oh. block them. Like Jack McCarron is kicking that ball to Darren Hughes or giving that ball to Darren Hughes on the 45 if your man doesn't jump in. That. And he jumps in and McCarron then is a free shot from the middle of the goal. You're just like, no way, beautiful score. Wait, wait, are you saying are you saying that McCarron was going to give that pass? No, I'm not. But I'm just saying your man never jumps in there. He yeah. looks to see who's giving the ball to him. The McManus one as well. Yeah, the <laughs> McManus one. Like McManus is the Michael Jordan of the team, essentially. Right? Oh, he's the phenomenal. Michael Jordan of the team. He is the one guy on that field. Well, they're the two guys actually on the field that you cannot give the last shot to. And yes, Shane Walsh gets criticised for decision-making the far side. Yes, Paul Conroy gets criticised for getting the black card. But yes, the defence has to get a bit of criticism too because they have to 100%. know that 
it's Conor McManus here. He is not passing this football. Uh, and, and to and be honest, Andy, I, I wouldn't even have put, for the last play, I wouldn't even put Jack McCarron in the same breath. I know he was amazing no. scoring extra yeah. time to win it. But, but if you're Galway, it's, you, you've thrown it away, then Terry steps up and nails an absolute belter for 45, and you're thinking, we've got away with it. Yeah. I, they have one more play, man. In. Whoever, someone needs, if there was a Garrett Bradshaw, someone there, like, like a leadership group, I'm just marking McManus. Mm. He is the guy out yeah. of everyone on that team. The other 14 players, we don't care if they have it. Do not let him get the ball. And you could see the minute he got it in his hands, I was like, Oh, yeah, it did. It, like, he's you're, 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 you're no matter, it was a brilliant right. score, but when he had it in his hands, I was like, he's The game's up. You, you, you need to stop him getting the ball. And that's, it mightn't be as obvious as some of the, 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 the misses, Faye for Shane or, or, or for, for Conroy getting, getting yeah. a card. But, but that is, that's, it's all game intelligence, controlling the game. To be Know fair, where though. you are in the game. Monaghan did exceptionally well to just it was like a shot clock in basketball mm. McManus's shot was in the 75th minute like oh. exactly bang mm. on and if any referee is going to call it on time it's going to be David Goff and then McCarron's winner <laughs> is exactly three minutes into injury time he strikes it exactly as the clock hits mm. three but I would say the goalie actually did really really well defensively like 95% of the way like mm. McManus is four McManus you're watching you're tracking him in that last shot because you know they're looking for McManus because Carol Kane has his stat in the Irish News during the week so since he moved into the attack in 2012, 17% of Conor McManus's scores have come in the last 10 minutes of matches. So that's 40% of those have been from open play. So like he's a clutch footballer. He is he is the man you want on the ball. Yeah. So, but they actually did quite well because he's out around that, 45 that, a lot Tommy, of time. That's that really he makes pretty it worse. That's because it's so obvious. Yeah, he is the he is the man. Yeah. he is but, the man. Yeah. you have to stop him. And it's like with and, Paddy, just bringing in your point from last week. He's not getting dropped, so he can take that shot off a of free. Like, like he, he, yeah. McManus could take that shot with no pressure. Now, McCarron's shot there's a bit of pressure on McCarron to take it, but shot, yeah, there's no pressure on McManus because McManus is the best footballer from Ireland by a country mile. He's a good team player. <laughs> he's he's yeah. a man. But now, on the flip side of it, lads, we're on about Division One the last couple of weeks. Mm. Okay, if Galway use this properly, right? If Galway use this properly, like Dublin, we talked about Dublin in 2014 against Tony Gall. If they use the lessons learned from a hard Division One battle in Clonus in a relegation battle, they will be ten times the better team for it. Mm. Because now they'll know how do we put, why should we put the ball there? They have examples. Who do we need to watch when we're when we're uh, um, when we're down the stretch? Who, Paul? Why are you getting sent off in that situation? So there's so many learnings there for them that if they use it in the right manner, this could be a game changer for them. But and and it, you're right, on the positive side, they obviously learned serious lessons from the Kerry game. Yeah. At the start of the league, when you're looking at that going, Jesus, where do they go from here? But to be yeah. fair, like I said, power choice, John, they've these guys there. They know the crack. Like they, They've been there and done it themselves. They The lessons they learned in those two or three weeks, mm, the improvements they had. So, like I say, it's just, they would, for Galway to progress and kick on, where you want to be in Division 1, and this is a common theme that we spoke about, that's the real soccer. Will it impact them too much at Championship? Like I say, they'll learn loads and loads of lessons. I'm sure Shane Wall's sitting in their park joist and they're having this discussion. If you're taking these shots, this is what we need to do, or maybe that extra pass. But, but the fact is, there'll be a year next season where they're not playing Division 1. And it, it'll be back to the normal league. They'll have seven or eight games. It's just, it's a setback that, for five minutes, just manage the game for five minutes, and it's just a completely different set uh, and a completely different story for the National League campaign. What happens to the mercurial Shane Walsh 
when he breaks into the Dublin setup. If he if he was born in Ballantyre or Ballymon or Castleknock up the road from you, Paddy, what happens if he's in the Dublin squad at 21-22? He can kick points with both feet. He can do absolutely everything. Yeah. He can run the field with the ball and solo on both hands. How would how would he be shaped? Um, but, but like, like I say, I, I think he feels, and this is only from the outside, I don't know Shane, but because he is the main man so evidently with Galway that he feels a need to force that. Whereas if, if you put him into the Dublin team, say he plays a, at centre forward and he's got Kieran Kenny on his right side and Conor Callahan and Dean Rock and his, there's not a need to force it. You, you, you can say, but look, they're equally as equipped to kick the ball over the bar for me. So that takes the pressure off and the kind of, I'm forcing it so you don't need to force your shots but also just from the coaches and we talk about Dublin and they're, we touched on one of the earlier pods that they're scoring efficiency and where they take their shots from and why it's so high that is decision making that is if you are you can like I said you can be the fastest guy and we've had examples of it on the Dublin panel over the years the fittest guys you know Jesus you watch guys in the club championship and they stand out and you're going how is that guy not playing in the Dublin team and then there's Muppets like me playing corner forwards and they're going, hell, was Paddy Andrew. But, but what it is, is the, the value the Dublin team and the Dublin coaches put on decision-making is every bit as important as how fast you can run 100 metres, how much you can lift in the gym, how accurate you are on your right and your left foot from 40, 50 yards out. There's no point in being the best at those three things and you're shite at the fourth thing. Because if you're a bad decision-maker and you take the wrong option with, with this Dublin team, you will not play no matter how good you are at the other things. And, and like I said, that, that's the benefit that Dublin have because of the depth of their squad, that they can make those calls. Like Andy saying there, Conor McManus is, is a brilliant player and he doesn't take the wrong decision. But if he did, and you're going, that's a crazy shot, it doesn't really matter because Banty's going to have to play Conor McManus the next day. And it's, it's, look, it's the same for Gaul with Walsh. That they have to play him. So, so, but if that was in in the Dublin environment, put my hat on and looking at guys that have been really talented over over the past seven Who? eight years with Dublin, like I don't, I think you're looking at someone like Costello, who's been, who's, his talent is not in question, but it's taken him time to get to that. I need to be a little bit sharper on it, and you can see it now. And and that's like Cormac's been around the Dublin team for seven or eight years, and his talent, what a what an unbelievable player, and you're seeing it now this season that he's. He's taking the right options. He's making the right decisions. And because that's, like I say, there's no point in having the other stuff. If your teammates can't rely on you to make the right decision, if you're a forward and you're constantly kicking wides or you're constantly getting blocked down, or if you're a defender and you're giving away frees all the time, your teammates cannot rely on you. The coaches cannot rely on you. And, and the importance of game intelligence. We're talking, know exactly what is required at that exact moment, like dropping two balls short in a row. That is just, you cannot do that. And, and, and that's that's the difference. That, that's what I'm saying. And people say Dublin have all the money, they have all the resources, they're the fittest team, blah, blah, blah. Dublin don't do anything like that. They don't do sh- you know stupid things consistently. They don't make the wrong decision all the time. Um, and and that's, you, the, that's, the, that's the challenge. How would you coach that, Andy? If you were, if you were coaching Shane Walsh or coaching a, a club player in Balladreen who was just making the wrong decision up front? Yeah, I think it's a it's a philosophy uh, right through Dublin. What you see is that an awful lot of these guys come in. I remember Jeremy Connolly grabbing the ball in the 2016 first game and taking a sideline ball. And I remember I was I was off at the time, and I remember the Dublin bench just looking. And you could see them screaming, "Why wasn't he giving the ball to Kilkenny?" Like they, they the, the ego side of it goes out of it where 
you have a playmaker, he gets the ball, you can see the basketball evidence coming into it, you get the ball to Kilkenny, you get the ball to Scully, you get the ball, and they set up the attack. And the rest of them there, Paddy's job might be to win the ball in the, in the full forward line, Bernard's ball, job might be to finish, Dean Rocks to score, whatever, you know. So everyone has a little role. With, with How you coach it in a, in a club setup is that, I suppose, right through the years, you make sure that people have the freedom to express themselves in, in terms of using their skills and taking the shots. But then when it comes to it, that you educate them of why you don't yes. take the wrong shot. And this is why you don't take it. Like, I think Paddy used an example last week. Again, I think he used an example of you miss a shot or you drop it short and then someone gets hammered down the back line. Johnny Cooper gets bet down mm. the back line. Someone bangs a goal. It's not, the evidence isn't put on Johnny Cooper. No, no. Better than they, it's put on... Well, where did it come from? Yeah, where did this better. start? And it was my fault. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your job within the team and what's your reason to be there? So yes, one, he gets a great learning on Sunday. Shane Walsh gets a great learning on Sunday. I wouldn't be as hard on him last year, Paddy, against me in the kind of championship. Because no, and I'm not. I'm not being hard. But I'm no, saying. No, no. I, I meant Tommy. Sorry, Paddy. He kicked, sorry, he kicked. He kicked eleven out of twelve points that day. I think he, he did. Like himself, himself and Conroy were left to their own devices that day. They were brilliant, yeah. and, they, 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 and Sean Kelly, Conroy, and Walsh kept them in the game. So they had to force stuff that day. The last day was different because if he gave the ball, the game was won. That's a different scenario, and it, yeah. it it's it's just showing them why did you do it, what did you see, why didn't you see the pass, and just educating them. And we've all been in the situation. I was in the situation in 2016. Couldn't get into the squad, couldn't get into the team. Began to play really well for the club, and we were playing for Man. And I come on against for Man. I win two or three balls, but I forced the shot because I was so keen to get back into yeah. the team. And I remember Tony McEntee grabbing me at training, like. Face to face, we're rowing. I'm saying, listen, I'm playing well enough. Don't. I know I'm <laughs> you grabbed me a few times. He was my club manager as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know the crap. So we're face to face. We're going at each other. And McIntyre just goes, all we need to do is win the ball up high. He said, that's all we need to do. So I go into the Kildare game the week after. I go into the Kildare game the week after. And I have it in my head. I don't even need to shoot. I win the ball, lay it off, win the ball. Play. All of a sudden, we're playing nice football. I'm really important to the team. And I'm back in the squad. And I took the pressure of having to be in that person to score the point to force my way into the team. Once that was gone, all of a sudden I was in the team and I was in the team for about three or four years in a row then. You know, so it's just, it's an education, but it's also making sure that they're not the only person that needs to do this. You know, if you have a Matthew Tierney now beside him, who he really didn't have last year. You have a Paul Cook who can score in the middle of the field. Yeah, Comer, obviously still have Paul back. Conroy. And, back, if you, yeah. and if you have Comer back, or a young Kelly, a wing forward, all of a sudden Brannigan got a point last day. All of a sudden you have five or six guys there that can score. And Shane, we're going to be judging you as on much assists and score involvements you have mm. as much time you put the ball over the bar. But you're, you're, you're talking to me, like, how do you learn and how do you get better players? And this is not just a golf thing, you're talking about club players anyway. It's that communication around it that, I come back to coaches and, and managers get so caught up in a team setup. This is our style of play. We're gonna we're gonna play this defensive style. We're gonna play this attacking style. The role of a coach is to make the players at his disposal better. So that's the conversation between the coach and player X and say, "This look, you're making this mistake consistently. Why do you think that is?" And like Andy's saying, for forwards and he's it's forcing. Like I used to trying to get into the team or if, if Jim had to drop me and I'm trying to get back in, you, you start taking bad shots and you're going, why did I do that? It's just not on because you're trying to force things 
And that, that's an example of, of Shane at the weekend because he feels he's the leader and he's, he's, the, he's the man that's going to kick the scores. But that's what we did with Dublin. Conversations. Like, the, like I said, the, the training sessions on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday are hugely important. They're the tangible, we're out on the pitch, but the conversations on Wednesday and Friday and the reviews of games, you'd sit there for an hour talking with three or four of your teammates, even over lunch, and you're going, geez, we did this. And, and, and well, you shouldn't have done that. And here's why. And then getting opinions from, from your teammates. That is conversation and learning. And you're talking about the, the famous, like Joe Smith used to, all the rugby lads were, were scared shit. I said, Joe Smith, because on their Monday review, he'll show them, this is the mistakes you made. But, and, and we would have done stuff with Dublin. I'm sure lots of the top teams, we, we touched on the importance of video analysis, but that's how you learn. You need to have those conversations and it's never a personal thing and it's never I, your man's trying to be big time there doing it on his own. It's not that. It's very rare that that's the case. It's just a little bit of awareness and going, okay, and like I say, the learning goal we will get, I don't think Shane Watts are going to drop many balls short after that. No. Because they've learned a harsh lesson and they'll have those conversations this week. But that's that with Dublin, how we built that over years and years and years is... That's, it was conversations. It was coaching. It was the coaches doing their job, making their players. And, be, and, be, and Paddy, being honest, Joe, you know, being. They have honest, to be honest. There's no point yeah, otherwise. Not like like I, I can tell you between my first seven years for me before 2010, like the, it was like if you were the, the star show, you weren't being told honestly, given an honest match review. Do you know what I'm saying? You were, yeah, yeah, like yeah. like what the, the the guys might have done with me with the club for years and saying, Andy, you were absolutely shite there. Instead of saying it straight <laughs> out, Joe, they might pander around you a tiny bit. Yeah, yeah. Once that pandering stops and once it gets really transparent to what the team is looking for, then it becomes really easy for a coach to, to isolate a little situation. But, but that, that's what players want. Players want, you know, if I'm not in the team, tell me why I'm not in the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, if, yeah. if I, or if I'm doing something right, tell me I'm doing something yeah. right. And that, if the communication, the, those conversations, the analysis, we touched on the video analysis, that's how you get game intelligence. That's how you get decision-making on point because if you just go with your head in the sand and keep doing the same things over and over again and nobody's telling you and you're not really taking it on board and you have a bit of a chip on your shoulder or whatever you're just going to keep doing the same things and you're going to keep getting the same results players obviously have to be receptive to feedback as well like you have to be coachable like Paddy I've heard you say a few times that a, a coach's job is to make a player better players also there's a responsibility there in players as well to be receptive to feedback and I'm sure you've both seen evidence of that over your careers one of my favourite parts of the football pod with Paddy and Andy is the listener questions that we get in. And uh, we have a question here from a listener, Jer Gilroy. Um, <laughs> the, Dubs versus, the Dubs versus Donegal. I'm actually just stealing this from Jer. The Dubs versus Donegal last week was textbook Dubs under Jim Gavin. Keeping the opposition at arm's length, doing just enough. What are those games like for the players? And do you ever believe you're in trouble in the middle of those games, Paddy? So you were on OTBAM earlier in the week and we meant to get to this with you. Do you ever feel like you're in trouble in those games where maybe, you know, with the other team is in and around you, there's a couple of points either way and next thing you just see Dublin, whether it's after the, the, the water break or just before half time, there's a five minute period where they just take over. Yeah, and I suppose you can look over the last four or five years, it seems to be a similar pattern with Dublin where you could say 65 minutes of the game, they're kind of, and Andy, you touched on it, or a couple of league games we're reviewing, it looks like they're in third gear. But they're in total control. That they know what they're doing there. They everyone on their 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 team is experienced. And you're talking from Cluxton and Goal to Fitzsimons, the full back line, Fenton, McCarthy around the middle, Scully, Khan, Kieran up front. Everyone on that team 
knows exactly what's required at that exact moment in the game. So, like, Donegal gets, it's kind of five all, it's six all, and they're kind of cruising. And Donegal are in it. But Dublin are just waiting. Mm. They'll know there's a period where Donegal are going to switch off or Dublin might win a couple of kickouts off them, win some of Patton's kickouts, or they turn over a defender coming out of defence and then everyone knows, let's go for a juggler here, let's kill them here. That, and, and you do it, and in the blink of an eye, how many times, like you're saying, have you seen over four or five years that in the space of three minutes, Dublin score one three or one four or they score two two and then for the rest of the rest of the half, for the next 20 minutes, it's just back to control, keep the ball. But that's, that's what we're talking about. That's the decision-making and things like that. So Dublin are more than happy to, to what may be perceived as be kind of monotonous or boring style of play because they know there'll be a period here for two or three minutes where everyone on the pitch is communicating. These guys are rattled here. Let's kill them now. And you can see the start of the second half, it's four points at half time. And then in the space of three minutes, they rattle off three points from play. They push right up on the kick out. Um, Sean McMahon kicks a point. Fenta kicks a point, Kieran kicks a point, and in the blink of an eye, Donegal would have come out for the start of that second half, gone right. We need a quick start here. Let's get it back in the game. And within three minutes, Dublin are now seven points up. And for the rest of that, the rest of the game was an odd event. Thirty minutes, Dublin just go back and they'll keep the ball for five minutes. Well, keep I it for five minutes, and and, and the opposition, the, there's no momentum for the opposition. Yeah. Dublin are controlling the game, and that's that's what I'm talking about: decision making and just being aware. Okay, they're vulnerable now. Let's kill them. What I don't go back and just keep the ball. What I don't understand about it, Paddy, is that you look at the likes of Donegal, we made the mistake over the years, uh, Kerry made the mistake in 2019, is that players try to play, like try to be better than Dublin at their own game, right? So you, you look at Dublin, they hold the ball for so long, you're going to spend a lot of your time without the football. Um, and they don't seem to have any strategy about it. And what, I, what seems to happen is Dublin definitely target just before half time, they definitely target uh, just after half time. And teams genuinely run out of energy. So if you look at it, right, and we're on about... Do you know what, Andy? On that, we, we actually don't. It's not a specific time in the game. Yeah. It's just the players will recognise. And that might be 10 minutes into the first mm. half. It's not, oh, here's the, the first quarter or the second quarter. It might okay. just be, there'll be a moment where everyone realises these guys are struggling. They can't win their own kick out. And then everyone's like, right, everyone just push forward here. Let's box them in and let's let's win this game here. It's not a set time. It's it's just you're aware the players are aware of it on the pitch. And, and that's all crushing. Sense it. Andy, is that soul crushing? Yeah, yeah. I have a vision from from watching the Donegal Dublin game Saturday evening. I have a vision from it. It's just James McCarthy catching the ball, gathering the ball in the 21 and just sprinting. And Donegal boys just looked out on their feet. And he's just running. And all of a sudden, he's at the 55-yard <laughs> line. And Donegal haven't retreated, haven't got themselves into a good position. And all of a sudden, Dublin are in complete... Like, you can just see the control. And in that period, we were on about shot efficiency over the last couple of weeks. Hmm. Right? Like, Breerty kicks the ball into the keeper's hands till Kenny gets a point. This is just before halftime. When <laughs> it's 6-5 to, to Donegal at the time. McBreerty takes a shot, drops it short. No support. He had to take the shot on. Drops it short. Kilkenny gets the score. O'Donnell kicks the next wide under pressure. He's fallen. He lands on the floor and he kicks it. Khan gets a fisted point after it. Okay. Then there's a kick pass intercepted by uh, by um, by uh, by Merchant. He intercepts it. Khan gets a free just on top of the D. Costo kicks it. And then Langan, which was the biggest visual for me, is running through the box. This is what I'm saying about teams running out of energy. Langan is running through. He's on the top of the D. And literally, lads, has no support. Like, there's no one around him. Ryan McHugh tries to get there. 
Dublin turned the ball over, boom, it's a goal. And in the space of literally four minutes, it's 6-5 to Donegal. They seem like they're in the game. I feel in that moment, like everybody else, like what happened to me all last year in the All-Ireland Final, happened to Kerry in 2019 in the All-Ireland Final in the second half. So literally, the legs are gone. And Donegal are 1-8-5 down. And as Paddy said, come out after the game, hold on to the ball for two minutes. McMahon scores a, a point from a pass from Scully, yeah, brilliant from pass. a different planet. Turnover the, from the resulting kickout. Fenton kicks the score. Turnover from the resulting kickout. Kilkenny gets the score. It's one. What is it? One ten to seven points after forty minutes. And Watch and repeat. One eleven to seven points, and it's, that's it, lads. It's. I know it finishes quite well for Donegal, but that's it. The game is over. It's forty minutes gone, and there's no way back. So when there, when you're in that vortex, when you know you feel like the the control, the the grip of the dubs is coming around your neck when you're a part of that team, like. <laughs> What does that feel like? What? What? Why? Why are they sucking the energy out of teams so well? How are they doing that? I give an example because it's funny. We used to play the uh, everyone or the A's and B games. I think uh, so. Don't know, but we played kind of training games. You were surely always on the A team, were you? Uh, for a very too brief <laughs> period. But the end of my career, I was on the B team. Right? So who you be marking? Uh, the market fits here or something like this. It's a complete shambles. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, we, we go out, right? So the teams would be there. And if Andy, you'll notice this, every intercounty player, every club player can relate to this. You're not in the starting 15. So you go out and you play a 20-minute or 30-minute match or whatever it is, and you're riled up. You're looking around going, I'm going to show the coach and I'm going to go out and I'm going to shoot the lights out here and show them that I should be in the team. So we play these A's and B games. And there'd be seven or eight of us in that bracket. You know, Michael Lair McCarty, Kev Mack, all these guys. And we're like, right, lads, come on, let's get stuck into them from the start. And you're playing the Dublin, the first 15. But they know that. They know that that's our mindset. So the ball is thrown in in this training game and we're ready to run through brick walls and say Fenton wins the kicker. Dublin, the A team will just keep the ball for four minutes, four or five minutes just to piss us off. <laughs> they, they know what we're trying to do. And we're running around like Mark, trying to get tackles on and McCarthy will pop it to someone else and Scully will have it and he'll be taking the mick out of lads. Not in a bad, but just they, mm, yeah. they know where they're, they're controlling it. And in the space of five minutes, by the end of it, they'll pop it if they work it to someone and Tom scores a goal or something. And we're there. The wind in our sails is gone like that. That's control... But it's also, like, it's a really experienced team and you, you can't get away from it. Like, the guys there have seven, eight All-Ireland medals. They've been doing this for eight or nine years. They've seen, they've played the best, best teams. They've played Division One for 10 years. There's a huge experience and knowledge bank there that Dublin have built up over the years. You know, and, and you can see, if you look at the improvement, I would say, from Kerry and their, their play last year where they had no attacking game plan and that they, Clifford is doing a shame, what, trying to force shots against Cork. Look how much they've improved in the space of six months. Where now Clifford doesn't force anything. He's, if he shots on, he'll take it. If not, he'll pass it to someone else. And they're, they're whole, they're way more fluid. That's them just getting experience and game intelligence. And it takes time to do that. So Dublin have that, but it's also the way they're coached and, and, and the players themselves kind of taking that responsibility. It's, it's playing those A's and B games. Horrendous. Did, did you ever, Jesus Christ. In, in the last couple of years, did you ever have a massive performance in one of those A versus B games? <laughs> all too rare I'm afraid <laughs> I used to did, make, did you ever come off point. one of them going I'm back in I'm I, back I, in no it's the odd time yeah but by the, by the end by, by last season now <laughs> I knew myself I was finished Desi didn't need to tell me anything what were, the, what, was were the Mayo A versus B games at the same level Andy 
They were, but we would play a completely different style of football. Uh, like with Dublin, we, we would try to disturb them as much as we could and we would mm. try to make it as chaotic as we could playing Dublin. Mm. Um, but they've got better at it over the years. Um, they've just got Experience. so much better at it. Like, yeah, it is. And it, it, like, so if you look at the 2017-16 finals, you're seeing lots of the ball in the first half. You're playing really... But then you could go... It could be four... You look up at the clock... And it's 42 minutes gone and the ball hasn't come up. So you're in a position there. Do I stick or do I twist? Do I keep high up the field to keep the Dublin team stretched with nobody inside me inside 45 yards, just myself and Johnny Cooper, if it's Simon's up there, or do you go and try to look for the ball? So you could spend five or six minutes. So every ball you get then as a second half. This is what I'm so intrigued by, by tactics. I'm so intrigued as, okay, Dublin are going to do this to us. So what can we do different? I remember McGuinness in 2012, played Cork and he played all out attack in the first half and then he played all out defence like he, he threw <laughs> he threw Cork he threw that Cork team completely and he just ran they ran them out the gate but they just conserved energy conserved energy conserved energy and then when they came out bang they blew them away and it was just it was amazing to see and I just don't think there's enough real high level thinking on what, what, what they're trying to do and I think that's why Rochford in fairness to him troubled Dublin in 2016 and 17 because he wasn't afraid to make a decision. So if you look at the Robbie Henley decision for the 2016 final, that was done to try to win the game. It wasn't tried to done, it wasn't done to try to do anything else or hold Dublin or keep us close mm. in the game. It was done to try to win the game and disturb Dublin. Aidan O'Shea to full back against uh, Kerry, Kerry in 2017. Donnie, yeah. That was done as a change, as a difference. And I, I can't see why managers now are not thinking, okay, we're going to do this now and then we come on. Let's throw something at the mirror. Can I ask you a question about Rochford and that? That I, I, I'm, I'm hoping I remember this right. Was there a game against Tyrone where he pulled a fast one, oh, and yeah. he started Alan Dillon, and then Mickey Hart makes a switch to try and counteract the influence of Alan oh. Dillon, and Rochford brings on Barry Moran, and Mickey Hart's switch is completely nullified because Dillon's been whipped off. He's done his job for 25, 30 minutes. Am I remembering that right? Was that an All yeah, Ireland? Yeah, there was an All Ireland um, quarter final, I think, in sixteen and. Dillo that was, was genius. Yeah, Dillo was like Dillo was. He was finishing up. We all knew he was finishing up. But he, he used to do little moments at, at, at in training, like where you think, oh, he might. And then he held him and didn't play him. And I know Dillo, right competitor, was probably frustrated. But then just had a word, played him. Paddy has mentioned the false nine a few times, but literally played him as a false nine or a ten, a soccer ten. And what uh, Tyrone used to do, they used to play Colin Kavanagh who used to sit back as we've analysed quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, but they used to also play Justin McMahon at six. So not only used to have one holder, they used to have two holders in there. So Rochford released Dylan as a ball player, kind of third midfielder out there, and it, it just opened them up for the first half. And then, as you said, the pull Justin after 25. Uh, I think Colin Cavanaugh might, or someone else went shortly after him. Then Rochford pulled Dylan at, at half time yeah. and somebody else, and it just kind of changed. It. I just, oh, we still needed two unbelievable points from. Uh, from Lee Keegan to win the game for us, but it definitely, um, it definitely made the an impact on them because they were probably at that stage they were probably a better team than us. But it definitely it stalled them and made them think and made them change and it worked out well for us. So you, when you're creating chaos, does anything work of breaking the the Dublin momentum when they have that grip? Because I I've I've seen very few teams actually break the grip. Kerry obviously in nineteen at times in that first game were able to do it. Paddy, did Anthem work against you when you were in that stage? I'll tell you now, the most important thing for, for, for the whole National League, we've had, what, four games over the last five weeks. 
Kerry in the third quarter in Perlis, there was, they got momentum on Dublin. I think it was, they outscored, it was eight points to a goal. I think Costello got a penalty, but, but that very rarely happens to Dublin where they lose that kind of control and, and teams get a run on them. And for, for Dublin, that's what they will look at from the National League. They won't look at, the Donegal game is nonsense, the, the Roscom game is nonsense, the Galway game, they're, they're irrelevant. They look at, okay, what did we do wrong here? How did Kerry get a run on us? Why did Paul Murphy score a couple of points? Why was Clifford getting free all of a sudden? And we mm. lost control of that game in that moment. So that's what they'll take from that. And they'll learn the lessons. And I'm sure they've been reviewing that part. Uh, and the same with Peter Keane. Like if you think at that stage, Dublin were seven points up, like they were on, 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 on Saturday night against Donegal. And I remember I was at the game thinking, this is it. This could be... This could be 10 or 12 points and, and Kerrier in a hole. And they turned it around. So both teams, for Peter Keane and for Kerry, they look at what did we do right in that section of the game. They're not going to be looking at the, the Galway game in Tralee or anything like that. That's what we always said at the start, that those two teams weren't worried or concerned about winning the National League. They wanted to find a couple of players and they wanted to find a style that, that maximised their potential. And that, that quarter will be a huge learning point for both of those teams. Um, and it's kind of who adapts to that better. That's that that, that that's unreal. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's great insights. Uh, but like for us, what we did was we identified that this was going to happen. So we identified that Dublin are going to come out. They're going to try to control the game. They're going to try to hold the ball. And what are we going to do? To kind of, so are we going to sit back? We didn't really do anything as such but we at least identified that Dublin are going to try to come out and control the game just after half time. And how are we going to, and if it does happen for 10 minutes, let's not panic. Let's just sit in, keep the scoreline uh, nice and steady and then kind of try to, to double back on that. And we did but, in a way with Lee's But Andy, the, the reason why, why you guys would have been successful to a point and kind of challenge of Dublin was you, you had the experience to, to go and do that. And that, that we, in our very first pod, when we're talking about previewing the season in the National League, this is what I'm talking about, that it takes teams, it takes players and it takes coaches time to, to experience this, to, to mm. understand. And what worked for Mayo might not work for, for Tyrone or work for Donegal or look what Peter Keane thought last season might work for Donegal clearly didn't work for Kerry against Cork. So that takes time. That's what we're talking about, a betting in period for coaches, for, for Parlick there with Galway, for, for Logan and Dewar with Tyrone, and, and they would have taken serious lessons from, from Saturday night themselves in, in Killarney. It takes time to find what is my team comfortable with playing? What, what suits the players best? Then you're looking to go, okay, what do Dublin do or what do Kerry do or what do the top teams do? How, does, how can I develop a game plan and tactics that will suit my group of players that will counteract that. And it's difficult. That, that's that's where the coaches get the big books. That's where they're the managers. They, they need to figure that out. And, and, and like I say, there's no point in Andy going, well, this is what Mayo did. And going, well, Mayo had unbelievably athletic players. They yes. had experience. They were hard. Uh, does that suit Dudley Goldstein? Where they're a lot younger by Michael Murphy and say, and Ryan McHugh, and they're, they're, they like to play more on the front foot. Or does Tyrone style of play You've seen Toronto have tried to change their style of play and it's been a, like Saturday night was a catastrophe for it. So yeah. this is what takes time. And we're talking about experience, we're talking about coaches, we're talking about implementing their style of play. That is the challenge. That's the role that the manager and the coaches, you know, they get caught up in all the fancy stuff. There, there, there's some basics that need to be sorted first before getting into that. What I'm hearing from you is that 12 minutes after half time in Dublin, Kerry and Sample is the most important 12 minutes 
of the National Football League so far. So football in 2021. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and watch if, that a few times. If I that was me, if, if, if that was me, I'd be looking at that. Yeah, I'm not a coach, so but. So some, some of the other big results, lads, at the weekend, Armagh had a massive win against Roscommon to stay up. Um, <laughs> huge for Armagh. The Rossies were relegated, were they? As, as Paddy Andrews said, the Rossies up and down. I think I think Paddy's trying to get you in trouble, Andy. I think he's trying to set you I'm, up for something. I, I, I've said nothing. He's silent. He's a mouth closed. Not a word out. <laughs> but um, Monaghan, extra time win was, over Galway. That's a big win for Armagh. And we said it. Massive. That is what McGeady would have been looking for. Now, like we were talking about the flip between Armagh and, and Galway. Like Armagh have huge momentum going into the, the, the Ulster Championship. They've, they've answered them in the first round at home. Yes. And then if they lose that game to Roscommon, they're like, Jesus, two steps forward, one step back. And it's a bit of a, the energy and the buzz, particularly the way they play, might take a hit going into the Ulster Championship where it was a big win and Armagh in Division 1 and they get a proper Division 1 next year that they play all the top teams it, it, it's a huge part for the development of for the younger players I think It shows progress Paddy too they lost last yeah. last last year to Roscommon 310 to, to 15 points so they lost by 4 points up there in the same pitch the same two teams and all of a sudden there's a 10-12 point swing there it's, hu- it's huge progress from, from mm. the 2020 Ulster and Munster champions are both going to be playing Division 4 football next year Cavan relegated, beaten by Wicklow. And I absolutely loved Shawnee Furlong's quotes to the Irish News after the match. Now, I played in Navin plenty of times. The game was in Navin. Most teams are supposed to train on the back pitch beforehand for any club championship matches. But seemingly Cavan warmed up on the main pitch and Wicklow were sent to the back pitch. And it really annoyed Shawnee Furlong. He seemed to think... Ah, uh, Wicklow! It was, a, it was <laughs> Go on the lads! And uh, Furlong went down, joke. scored two goals, passed an all-star goalkeeper and an all-star fullback. And uh, yeah, massive win for Wicklow. So Cavan are down in Division 4. Tipperary got relegated by Longford. Longford have been looking for a win for the last couple of weeks and they finally got it. Massive yeah, I win. Just, I just don't... I, the, the two results are just a bit bewildering. Like you see the, the skill and the... the, the, the like the, the, the way Tipperary could move the ball last year and even score, mm. even against Mio. I know they conceded a lot, but mm. they scored huge numbers against Mio in the semi-final. And then you see a team that concedes huge scores to Derry, I think 21 points in a round. Yeah. And then Tipperary can't put enough on them to, to win the game. It's just, it's it's mind-blowing. And then the other one, Cavan, getting bet by Wicklow, just not that, like you see how well Ulster football is moving this year. Uh, you have Monaghan staying up, you have Armagh staying up putting two Connacht teams down, which is a pity for us. But, uh, and then Cavan to, to slip down to Division 4 is just... It's, it's, Ulster it's, champions to be in yeah, Division 4. Yeah, it's, 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 it just doesn't make any that sense. cannot happen. That should no. not be happening. We mentioned Dublin beating Donegal. We, we haven't really mentioned Kerry's 6-15 against their own 114. We have a couple of questions on defending in that game that we'll come back to in a wee while. Cork in the Division 2 relegation playoff. There was moments in that game when they were looking ropey. We had identified Westmead as being a potential banana skin. That finished up 322 to 25 points. Down bet Leash to stay up. Derry bet Limerick. They're playing awfully in the Division 3 final this weekend. So we might talk yeah. a bit about Rory Gallagher next week on the podcast. Uh, I was in Ennis as Mayo held off Clare. Like, Mayo were brilliant in the first half. Aidan O'Shea had an unbelievable game. The, the Clare keeper kept hitting the ball to the same sideline under the stand and O'Shea was cleaning up. Darren O'Neill came out at the start of the second half. Podge Collins came off the bench actually. Podge made a big difference to the intensity and the pace and the bit of bite. 
um, about the Clare team. They came out, they were 11 points down, they had nothing to lose. Colin Collins made a couple of switches and they just, you could just see it, how a team can get a run on someone. And there was a bit of, bit of a crowd in Ennis. There was roars going as David Tubbery was swinging over points. Owen Cleary scoring and big Darren O'Neill burrowed through twice, scored a goal, forced a goal. That's a man who made his first start for Clare in 2011. Didn't start another inter-county game for 10 years until last year. Came back to a few games full forward. Um, so we had a massive impact, but they just fell short. They left themselves too much to do. And uh, I think that's all the results from the weekend. Um, oh, wait, Claire, Claire went up, didn't they? Yeah, Claire yeah, we won't, we, we won't mention that. We'll come back to that. We'll have a few I, minutes to rant about me, Tommy. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get Andy on as a guest next week. I, I, I think you've that plugged in, don't you, Paddy? You've that in the schedule, don't you? But uh, <laughs> no, I think the big worry for, for me, oh, I think it's coming through there that um, Killian has sustained a, an injury, um, bad injury. We've seen him going off. and the big problem for us is that when he went off, uh, Claire dominated the game. Well, didn't dominate the game, but won the second half, two, ten to nine points or thereabouts. And uh, he's the leadership, he's, it's the leadership, Killian. When you, or Andy, when they've lost seven players, like James, still found the need to start Killian against Mead when he made those changes. Yeah, you, know, we, we, so you, you, you asked the question a couple of weeks ago, Paddy, about the or, or Tommy about the lads leaving. Um, and I kind of said, listen, it is a big loss. I got a year there with them at least this year, mm. and then we still have Killian, Aiden, Lee, Stephen Corn, and these guys. The problem is now. Uh, 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 on that, Andy, say again, there, Andy. I, I thought the reason Mayo were were so good in the first half was those players were were back to their best. Like Lee Keegan going forward from corner back, it was like the old Lee Keegan. You've touched Aiden O'Shea was was brilliant around the middle. Uh, Kevin McLaughlin, Killian is going to. Killian's going to kick the scores. He's going to lead that that attack. Mayo at their best. That is those guys to the fore. Is last year in the championship. I was doing a few sums on it, and last year in the championship we scored eight eighty. Okay, and in that Killian scored five forty. So that's more than half the points. Um, it's a huge total. Like it's one nine nine points, four points, four nine, and even against the Dubs he scores nine. And uh, he's the fulcrum. He's the leader of the team. He's. Uh, He's possibly the most important player there and he's been such a... Definitely is the most yeah. important player there. It's just I'm in just... there. Kieran O'Connor sustained an Achilles tendon injury that will require a procedure this week. We wish him well and look forward to seeing him on the playing field as soon as possible. That's coming in from Mayo GA. So we don't know yet how long he would be out for. Yeah, they, I was hoping it was his calf. If I'm being honest mm. with you, when I seen him go down, I was hoping it wasn't his Achilles. But yeah, fingers crossed he's a hardy boy. But yeah. as Paddy says there, he's definitely the most important player. He leads the attack. He pushes our press. He's... That's well, the, think, the key thing, Andy. Yeah, I think you, the obvious bit it, is the scoring. Like. Yeah, but the, Paddy, the, like, say what you said about him there a couple of weeks ago. You said he's horrible. <laughs> he's oh, horrible. he's a little, he's a little box. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he's, but he's a brilliant player, and yeah. yeah. like the obvious thing is his scoring, which, as Andy said, is, is off the charts. He's the top scorer in the history of the championship. Is that right? Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so straight away, you know, Mayor are gonna they're gonna need to try and replace that. But it's like Mayo at the best. He is leading their attack when they're defending. So, so like I say, Dublin would, would always found it hard against Mayo getting the ball up the pitch because their forwards were just savage tacklers. All of them bar Andy. Andy was hiding in the corner. But the <laughs> other five lads were doing the work. I was, I, six I, men. I was winning ball. I was winning ball. I was winning Killian, ball. Killian used to do Andy's tackling for him as well. Uh, but that's how important he is. And it mightn't be as obvious as, as the, the, the highlights of, of, of kicking all the scores. He leads how Mayo press and how they defend and how they try and turn. Look, look at the Tipperary game last year. They just kept turning the Tipperary defenders over coming out. That was Killian leading that. And she got a goal off it. You know, that's so important for the team. And, and, and he is just, 
he has the athleticism, he has the know-how, he has the mentality. Look, like he's a hard man to play against. Nobody likes playing against Keen O'Connor because he's if he if he can't get the ball off, he'll pull you down, he'll, he'll slow it down and let, let that let's Mayo get set. He's so, so important well, he, to that he, team. And you can a, see in the first half and second half on, on, on Sunday or on, on Sunday, yeah. This like an Achilles tendon injury is like just two months until the All Ireland final. Like yeah, uh, not, to, I, not to spec, not to jump in with speculation here, but there's a very exactly, good chance so that may or without Killian O'Connor for the rest of the championship. Well, we, we wait and see. I wouldn't be getting into. Hopefully, he can get recover and everything goes well. And he's got back. I don't think we know enough to, to be kind of saying he's in or he's out. And yeah, respect for him as well. Obviously, he's an unbelievable player. We're just fingers crossed that he's. It's not as bad, and and, and they they get it. So you get the best of care, obviously, and the, the physios and doctors, as Andy will know from Mayo. Hopefully, we do see because like, he's a huge player for Mayo, and for what Mayo are trying to achieve, they'll need him. There's no, there's no. You don't need me to say that, Andy. Everyone can see that. Yeah, like I remember ten years ago, uh, we were struggling over in London, and uh, a young kid came on, eighteen years of age, and he came on and probably changed the game for us. And from that moment to this, he's been. Yeah, you know he's been the leader in the group, so let's let's touch wood. Fingers crossed, it's not not too yeah. serious, and he's back on the field pretty soon. He looks like one of those lads that was a leader the second he he walked into the dressing room. I just had an old head on on young shoulders, Tommy. He just he's um, Ballantubber is a, is a little village just just outside Castlebar here, and they've um, they've a unique way of looking at things. Like you know, so Horn will be from Ballantubber, Dylan will be from Ballantubber. They've produced players of the highest mm. quality for the highest length of time, and. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a real shame. But I knew when he went down. I, I won't lie to you. I knew when he went down on Sunday. Oh, bad and, no, yes. and, and he waved out to the and like even Killian. I'll, t- I'll tell you what he'd be like. Like he wouldn't even. He, he, he'd be, the doctor would be coming in if it was a knee or something. He said, "Don't test my knee. I don't want people to know." Like he'd be that. <laughs> yeah. He'd be that short and clear thinking, you know. And he um, he he just he, as soon as when he called to the when he called for for assistance, I was thinking, "Oh, mm. that doesn't look good," you know. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Best wishes to Killian O'Connor. That's uh, just breaking there in the middle of the podcast. And it's certainly, yeah, best wish to him. We'll, we'll see what happens and whether he can get back soon. Hopefully he can because it's a poorer championship without Killian O'Connor because what a footballer. Right, to, to move briefly on, we, we look at Kerry Tyrone really quickly. The defending in that game, Paddy. Good Lord. Like, Good Lord. <laughs> you have been roasting defending for a long time, uh, saying it's just not up to the standard it had been. And the Ulster teams in particular don't have enough man markers. What happened oh, I, in Tyrone Kerry? I, 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 I want to caveat this as well. Like Tyrone, Fergal Logan and Anthony have come in and there's a, obvious they're trying to change the style of play. And that was demanded by Tyrone supporters, by ex-players, probably by some players inside the camp as well. And it takes time to change a system of play that's been in place for 15 to 20 years. So there was always going to be speed bumps. The... the basically mini, mini McKenna Cup that they played in the National League probably masked it a bit that they were playing Ulster teams to kind of uh, there were still signs that, they, that this was definitely there was going to be teething problems trying to play man-on-man defence and, and they went down to Killarney and to be fair I'll give you the example right look at Paul Ganey's two goals so the first one Kerry coming down the wing and for some reason Kieran McGeary is Mark and Sean O'Shea. And, and Sean O'Shea will see this. He's a smart player. So he says, right, he's not a fullback. I'm going to go into the full forward line. So he drags Kieran McGarry into the full forward line. He makes a run out to get the ball. And we talked about this, this backdoor cut that he does. He runs out to the sideline and McGarry runs out with him. And by the time 
Sean O'Shea cuts back. McGeary's halfway to Dingle. He's still on that <laughs> road out. You know, I, I, but, yeah, but yeah. with with Tyrone previously, that wouldn't matter. Yeah. That McGeary could play from the front, and even if he's caught out, he has three or four of his mates behind him. That even when Sean O'Shea receives that ball, he's going to be met by Callum Cavanagh, by you're talking about um, the, the lads, the McMahon brothers back in the day. Yeah. That, 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 it, it wasn't as obvious, but when you are playing man-to-man defence or you're trying to play that, you cannot afford that. That is just, if, if you're defending, if you're in the full back line, you've got to defend, you've got to mark your man. You cannot be that naive in that play. Ball goes to Sean O'Shea, hand passes across, it's a goal. Ganey's second goal, and this is even more glaring. Michael McKernan is marking um, Ganey, and Ganey just pops the ball into Clifford and continues his run. Michael McKernan is like programmed from all the thrown underage teams from years of playing Mickey Hart. He follows the ball. He goes to Clifford with about three other defenders because he thinks, this is what I've always done. This is like muscle memory nearly. We're going to try and swarm this guy and turn him over. And, and that could have worked previously because as Ganey continues his run, he'd run in and he'd meet Callum Cavanagh and the... Uh, one of the other wing forwards, McMahon's or a Myler or someone like that, or Maddie Donnelly is there. That's not the case anymore. That support is not there. So if you're a defender in that Toronto team now, you are being held accountable for your man. McGeary runs to Clifford. Clifford pops the ball out. It goes to Geedy, and he cannot believe. He hasn't even done anything. He's literally just continued jogging. He hasn't made a hard run, and he's clean through on goal. And Toronto are looking around going, oh, shit, yeah, sorry, we're, we're playing this man-to-man thing. And that is a condition and it's going to take time to change it. They're following the ball, trying to get swarm tackles. There is accountability now if you're playing man-to-man and they were just two, like Kerry scored six, could have been 10. We expected that there'd be problems and challenges for Tyrone to play this way and change the mentality and change nearly the personnel. As good as McGeary is and he's a, he's a really good player and Tyrone have a lot of these transition players, you know, Myler, McGeary, Donnelly, they're brilliant kind of just running up and down the pitch. Being in the full back line, if you're being asked to mark some, is a specialised position. You need to be a back. And you've seen it with, with, with Jason Foley, had a great game for, for Kerry. He's a back and he, he just, he ate McCurry. Just, he was all over him. That was his job. Tom O'Sullivan for Kerry, that's his job. Whoever I'm marking, I'm going to mark him. I'm going to be all over him. I'm going to, if, even if this guy wins the ball, I'm going to fight him till he gets it. And when he hasn't, I'm going to fight him again. If Toronto are going to play that way, and play this man on man, they need to have specialised backs because you could just see it. Saturday was a perfect storm for them. Like Kerry were good, no two ways about it, but Jesus Christ. I, I I just just one thing on it, Tommy. I I think the weakness in the Kerry Kerry team, if there's a weakness, I think is around their midfield half back line. Um I think it's it, it is a difference. And what uh, Paddy is saying there about the turn one full back line is true, but you can't expect Fullbacks. Paddy would fancy marking any fullback in the country if you're allowed Jeremy McConley, John Small, uh, Merchant have a free kick into you. Yeah. Basically, because they'll put it anywhere they want. So if you look at mm. the two of the Kerry goals, right? So I don't know who was advocating fly goalies for the last couple of weeks, Paddy, I think. Well, but if, <laughs> or David uh, Marshall. <laughs> David Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, David yeah. Marshall and Niall Morgan. But, yeah. uh, but the, 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 the Gavin White, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's a free kick. Yeah. How is he getting that much space from a kick out? Breen kicks the last ball in. Like you're going in at halftime there. You know well Logan and Dewar are saying, lads, okay, that's gone. We don't care. We've championship in two weeks. Doesn't matter. We're secure division one. Let's go and win the second half. Okay. You've Breen standing a right half back. Looking, he looks twice. Tom's a high one into Tommy Walsh. 
Everyone t- talks about Morgan coming out getting the ball. I think Morgan does fine. Barry kicks the ball into an, an open net. The problem is Breen is in 20 yards of space kicking the ball. And any good inside forward and any good half back will have that link-up play where the pressure, like th- th- if the pressure is minimum, even if there's a sweeper in front of you, the yeah. best half backs will get the ball to you. So yes, they're loose on the full back line. But you can't be that tight either if there's too much space in the day. And for me, Tyrone needed to go out and push the Kerry midfield, push their half back line into mistakes, and then see where you go from there. They didn't do either. And then as a result, Ganey gets two, Clifford gets one, and the, the keeper gets chipped, and everything just goes from there. Yeah. Um, you're listening to the Football Pod, episode six. There isn't a huge amount more. I don't think we can read into Kerry's performance. Uh, I'm not. I'm definitely not Yerren here, but you know, they, I think as a whole across the league campaign, very, 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 very impressive. Like David Clifford posted three six one four one five one six. But, but if you if you take Tommy, we sat down in the very, very first part and we said, what what do Kerry want out of this national league? They don't want to be players. Over, they don't want to be overly reliant on Clifford. They want yeah. to get a forward unit. They've done that. Yeah. They need legs around the middle. Dermot O'Connor to, to supplement. Um, David Moore or Jack Barry, whoever's going to be there, and can they get a couple of backs? And I know Foley's been there before. He, he looks like he's improved that extra year. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he did really well on McCurry. Well, we have a question actually from where... the Kerry GA fan page. And just to play her off you, who is the most improved player in the league so far? He's thinking Jason Foley. But have you a player in mind who'd be the, the most improved in the league? Um, if you don't want to top your head, I can let you stew on it for a couple of minutes. Yeah, I'll do my moan of the week while we're there. When I'm thinking, yeah, go for it. What is your moan of the week? <laughs> my moan of the week is everything is centered around Dublin playing Kerry here. Like, everything. So the whole championship, we can dress it up any way we want. The two best teams in the country at this present moment are Dublin v Kerry, and like we're trying to market a game here. We're trying to make it attractive to young people to go and watch, and we're we're marketing a game here that might never happen. You know, and we have a chance for it to happen in a week's time, and we pull it, and then we're we're waiting for this Nonsense. all our all our point. That mightn't happen. It might happen once in the next four years, and they're the two they're the two best teams in the country, uh, like a real kind of two heavyweights going at each other. But, but I couldn't agree more. Like a, a, a shared league. I mean, what are you like? And I get it, COVID, and it's very hard to structure things. But the guys had a week off before that. There was a, a fallow week there, and I was like. Just play it. If that's if that's what it needs to happen to get a National League final in Division 1-2, I know Division 3 final's gone ahead, which is great, but you can't have a shared nonsense. Play the final, and if it's a case, or even if the GA said, we'll push the All-Ireland finals a week out and start the championship a week later, I get it, it's challenging with COVID and things like that, but like to not have league finals, and, and sure, like, the Dublin-Donegal game, by the time that threw in, both teams knew there wasn't going to be a final. That contributes to a pretty flat game. Mm. As well as Donny, the fact Donegal are kind of resting guys because they don't they have championship in two weeks. Why don't you just put the schedule back a week and, and finish a really good league campaign with league finals? I bet this year they're kicking themselves now because they could have Dublin against Kerry in the league final. But, but Paddy, on Nonsense. that, I'd, I'd say that's why Offaly and Derry have just said, okay, hold on. Here. Oh, are, we going to win, are we going to win Leinster? Are we going to win? Uh, it's a national title. It's a yeah, national title. The same with Antrim yeah, and Loud in yeah. Division 4. We're, we're probably not going to win them. Okay, we've had four games. We've trained. Okay, the boys only went back training in April. But them boys have kept themselves in great nick since January. You had nothing else to do, only train, right? So you've kept yourself in good nick for four games. And now you're going to get a fifth championship game and Cr- 60, 50% of the counties are gone. Kerry are playing Donegal in the first round of the championship. Yeah. Right? So likelihood yeah. they're probably not going to win that game. 
and that's their season over with no national title or, or, or the chance to compete for now. I know that they're going to play the Division 3 final. Antrim are playing Armagh away in the first game. Again, as good as Ed McGinley's done, it's going to be a big challenge for them to win that game. If there's a chance for these counties to play for a national title, you're talking, uh, Tommy, at the start of the pod about motivation and, and guys putting their shoulder to the wheel and social. They, they do all the hard work to get to a league final and the GA turn around and go, we're, not, we're, we're going to share this league title. Like, what are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. That's my moan. Apologies now, lads. That's, no, that's totally fair. Paddy, you're, you seem to be in the same boat on that one. So, uh, score of the week. Yeah. Can, I get a, <laughs> joint, can I get joint moan of the week? Paddy, do you want to jump in with the score of the week? Ah, Gavin White. I was, was okay. phenomenal. Phenomenal yeah. stuff. We, we, we mentioned Jack McCarron was good, but I'm picking McCarron. I'm picking yeah, McCarron. and I'm picking a different. He's your buddy, is he? He's I'm, your mate. I'm picking a. <laughs> I'm picking a different one because I love the style of goal. It was was um, Collins was goal for Cork. Oh, Conley yeah. slicer, lovely movement by ball. Hurley. Lovely movement by Hurley. Off the Paddy, you should be picking this. This is all we did all our life. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you were going to pick uh, Darren O'Neill goal, um, and goal and Rob. <laughs> That's my Speck type of goal. That's what I was yeah. looking at. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you never jumped that high in your life. But Hurley wins it. <laughs> Beautiful timing from Collins off his shoulder, and a lovely, lovely goal. It was it, like it's it's a goal that I don't think Cork would have scored this time last year because they'd no link up play from that yeah. number 11 midfield slot into the full forward slot. So it's it's really interesting to watch. Yeah, that was their big problem against the Pereira when it comes to the final league. They, didn't, they couldn't break it down. They didn't have an attacking no. plan. So You're talking there about there being no league final. You're talking about the fact that a lot of teams are going to be knocked out of the championship this week. Eddie Holton on Instagram wants to know, how were Meade lacking such intensity against Kildare for such a big game? Is this actually you under a pseudo? No, this is no. this is your own. This is your fake. Eddie, you put Eddie. this question in. No, 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 no. Mead, what? Sorry, what how are Mead lacking such <laughs> intensity against Kildare for such a big game? So, like, in all likelihood, like this is Mead's biggest game of the year. Like, get another Leinster final, whatever. But Andy, did you like to put the point we're talking about? Uh, should they rest all their players? So you thought they'd be ready to rock it? Yeah, you have three. You have three weeks off there. You're going back into doing straight line running, maybe a bit of tackling. You know, like some of them games could turn into 13 aside games, depending on your your uh, your size, your panel. Um, you know, you, you give the guys off a week off. You give them they don't play the last league game. You take a week off, so it's really three weeks since their last game. Where Kildare just go boom, boom, boom. All the players are flying, and it's hard to get up to that pitch, lads. It's hard to get up to the pitch. Mm-hmm. You see Dublin now. Dublin will use the Leinster uh, Championship as a way to get up. There won't be resting players. They'll be playing no. the team. Like everyone was saying last year, oh, uh, Howard will start and Manuel will start in the final when it gets to... They won't. Because if you're good enough and you're going in and you do your job, you won't get dropped. And Dublin are the perfect example. And there was a really good thing on, on Twitter during the week. Kilkenny, I've seen this actually, yeah. On Kilkenny, Con um, Fenton. Fenton. But McCarthy... And even Cooper, like Cooper's, I'd say, go mad that he's not playing. Do you know, all them boys want to play, do you know? And they, they play everything. They play all the game. Merchant, if Merchant is fit, he's playing. Like, there's no mm. question of him not playing. He's so important to that team. Fitzsimons is so important to that team. They play every game and they build their intensity. And we look at the Premier League and their team getting, playing 30, 40 games a year. And we're asking players to play four games and we're saying, oh, we need to rest them in case they get injured. It doesn't make any sense, lads. But the players don't want. The players want to play every want to match. Play. You know, you're telling me that the say the, the me guys is, is the example here. They didn't want to go over and play Mayo and Castle Bar like and test themselves against like Mayo were the best team in Division Two. Like, what would they have learned from that game? 
we know we're talking about the importance of being in Division One and, and guys getting exposed. That Jordan Morris and these guys, as an example, how do we become a better player? And you, you're being an open goal here. To go and play one of the best teams in the country in, in Castle Bar, and we rest everyone. Like, and you're right, Dublin, the Dublin lads aren't aren't rested. Kerry aren't going to David Clifford. No, you're not playing this week. Take a week off and do what? <laughs> you don't like go and kick, go and kick a hundred balls on your own yeah, instead. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of you're not like I I, I and I, I could see it as a strength conditioning guys will obviously be on their high horse about we need to we're managing their load and all this stuff as well. But th- there's games like one game you're telling me those inter county footballers can't manage one game week, particularly this season where there's a, they're only playing four games. Do you know what I mean? And we're talking about someone like Claire who had an amazing kind of momentum and stuff like Claire playing Kerry in the first round of the championship. You know, yeah. like you know, their, their season could be over in, in three weeks' time, and there's and no Paddy, back door. Paddy, you know? a good one for you. Play right? the guys. If you're Baskell, right, and you're these guys playing for Dublin, and you're mm. Lehiff and these guys, you're not getting a true test unless you're playing with the best players. So yeah. if the team is going to revolve around Kilkenny and Scully and Khan, you have to play the key. Guys, you have yeah. to you have to play with them. So you need them younger fellas to actually play with the best. Thing. Tommy, you made a point that Killian played against me mm. because. If you're going to play James Caron, you're going to play these guys, you have to see how they... Play, how they link up with each yeah, other. Yeah. Do, they, do they get... Do, you know, how do they play with them? Do they... Joe Aiden came on. Joe you know, James Horn can see that these guys need games like match practice. You always hear the Premier League guys on about, oh yeah, he's not match fit. He's not match fit. How do you get match fit by playing bloody yeah. matches? You know? Well, I, I was going to Castle Bar and we were speaking... That's two months of the week for Andy there. <laughs> heading to Castle Bar that this day. Week. If, yeah. if you had Killian into it, it's three, I suppose. Go yeah. On. yeah, sorry, three yeah. months of the week. I had so, perfect. We were, heading, <laughs> we were going to Castle Bar that day and we were having a chat before the game, Andy, and you were telling me that, you know, we were expecting a couple of Mayo changes. I actually anticipated McIntyre did keep the team pretty similar to the way he had it. Yeah. I was really looking forward. I was hoping against all hope that <laughs> McIntyre would start, or that Horan would start Mullen and Keegan. And we get to see Jordan Morris and Th- Thomas O'Reilly and the younger Mead lads that have shown a bit of potential against Division 1 footballers. Because the only other time they played Division 1 footballers was against Dublin. And I can imagine they got a wake-up call in that game. Like, it's all well and good scoring a hat-trick in a Leinster semi-final. Do you know to be able to go out and do it again the following week against Dublin? I'm serious though. How how can you set the standard? You guys are talking about it all week about playing Division One football all the time. How can you know that you're not strong enough or you're not big enough or you're not fast enough until Ushin Mullen nails you a shoulder? And there was an incident mm. in that game in Castlebar where a hospital pass gets played to one of the Mead lads, right? Tommy, I agree. Two, with you. I have to know. I know. I'm laughing, but just I this incident, right? But this incident, right? The hospital pass played, right? And it, I can't remember exactly who played it. It was actually Carl Hickey, who's, who's a very good up-and-coming young footballer. Plays the pass. And Oshie Mullen annihilates two mead lads to win the ball. Drives through. It was a real old-school kind of a fullback. Get out of my way. Comes through the two of them. I'm not sure those two fellas felt a hit like that before. Aidan O'Shea comes on in the second half. And I know a couple of mead lads had dead legs later that day going home. Like, you're not getting hits off lads that size. In, no. in the, in it's a, learning. It's learning. It's learning. You know, and it's muscle memory and it's knowing that you're strong enough, knowing what you have to do. Okay, I'm not fit enough to do this. I'm not strong enough to do this. I need to go away and work on this. And it couldn't this, have gone uh, any this, worse this, this, Conor McGill is suspended and, you know, Brian Menton is injured and Donald Keoghan is injured and uh, it literally couldn't have gone worse for me. But Tommy, this is, this is our sixth podcast and anyone who's listened to, to every one of us, it sounds like we're beating the drum. We have said from week one the importance of playing in Division One, why these leagues are important for teams. Look at the progress. You're talking about younger players. You're talking about coaches. You need to be at the highest level if you can. That's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to get your feedback. Mm. Rest, rest them players, and 
playing Division 2, Division 3. We're talking about the, the Ulster and Munster champions gone down to Division 4. Like, you're... you're 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 leaving yourself short for a couple of years at that at that regard, trying to get get through promotions. If you're in Division One for those younger players, you're, you're competing. That's how you learn, and you you might struggle, but that's how you learn. That's why for me, even though they lost all the games of Division One last year, I I expected that they would have come straight back up, and that it, it just feels it's stalled now. That, that they've another year there, and they were so flat against Kildare, losing the game in the way they lost it against Kildare, and then obviously with the injuries and stuff like that. It was a bad day, obviously. Yeah. Who's the next man up in Mayo, Andy? Just a final question: If Kenny O'Connor isn't playing Connacht Championship, say for a start, he, Andy has the haircut for it now. Andy has the haircut. He's going back. Look at that for a jawline. Look at that for a jawline. There's ten minutes in you. There is not. There is not. James Car. James Car impressed against me. Paul Towie come off the bench against Clare was probably their their best forward in the second half against Clare. He replaced Kenny in halftime. Who is the next man up for Mayo? Yeah, I think I, I, it's. I, I wouldn't like to put that on anyone, if I'm being honest. Um, the Killian O'Connor issue is bigger than just the scores, yeah, and just yeah. uh, it's it's what he gives. We mentioned the players who were gone in in the in the off season, the fellow that retired, and we always said, "Listen, Killian there helps the forwards. Aiden helps the backs. Lee helps." So him gone is huge. I had the same kind of feeling when I thought Aiden was gone earlier on in the earlier on in the summer. So. Who's the next? There's a few. There's a few forwards there. Obviously, Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy have done really well. Paul Towie is a, a real star, but he's up and coming. Uh, you have James Carr. You have a guy called Darren Cohn who has been out in the cold for the last since the All Ireland final last year. Um, but he's a natural free taker and he's a natural score getter. Um, so I'd say. You know, it's funny how one door closes and another one might just reopen. Mm. So he might just get the, the James has to be looking at him again. So th- there is a few. We're, we're very lucky that there's been huge work done on the coaching in me over the last couple of years. And there is a couple of boys coming through, but it's going to be a tough ask. That's it. That's that's episode six of the football pod with Paddy Andrews and Andy Moran. The news is just filtering through that Kieran O'Connor has to undergo a, a procedure on an Achilles tendon injury this week. So... By the time next week rolls around, we might have a bit more details on that. We'll be looking at Rory Gallagher, who, Paddy, you've mentioned before, uh, coached you at underage level with St. Bridget's. And there'll be much more too. So, Terry, you're playing awfully next week. We'll be looking ahead to the first round of the championships next week as well. So that's next Ooh. Wednesday on the Football Pod. You can subscribe to OTBGA. You'll get all of the GA across off the ball in there. You'll also get this every Wednesday. Uh, or you can also subscribe to the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy, where you can listen back to each of the first five episodes we talk about some of the games but we talk about it much more too so you can listen back to them all Paddy Andrews thank you cheers lads Andy Moran thanks for me Moss thank you the OTB Podcast Network with Get Set Go Black Box Car Insurance lets young drivers bounce past high cost premiums drive safe and save more with GetSetGo.ie